1: Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: This podcast contains violence, adult themes, and material that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised.
1: True Nor True Crime is produced on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and tsleil nations.
3: Marielle Kouakou was uh, 10 years old when he was last seen on uh, March 12, 2018. He was on an extended uh, school break. On the Monday, he asked his mom uh, if he could go spend uh, the afternoon at a friend's house. And the mom said, yeah, not a problem. His friend lived not too far from home. Um, unfortunately, the little boy was not home that day and Instead of coming back home, Ariel went to the park, and there is actually video surveillance cameras that capture the boy crossing the street, entering Parc des Batadiers, which is not far from here. He's never seen leaving the park. From that moment onwards, there's been literally no sign of uh, the young boy. Montreal police seem to favor uh, the, the theory that he probably ventured too far into the park, which borders uh, Riviera des Prairies, and that the young boy accidentally fell into the river. The family feels that their child would never have ventured that far into the park and he knew better than to get too close to the water. So they they don't believe that their child fell into the water but that he might have been the victim of a kidnapping.
1: Three years after their 10-year-old son went missing in Montreal, his parents still pray for his safe return. Their son did not come home after setting out on foot to visit a friend on March 12, 2018. We eat, we drink, we walk with hope, said Frederick Kowaku at a Montreal church, telling those present that his faith in God has convinced him his son will return. This is the disappearance of Ariel Jeffrey Kowaku, and this is True North True Crime.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 19 of True North, True Crime and thanks for joining us this week. We had some coffee donations last week and we want to say thank you to Sozo Wubi, Kiwi Chick, Charlene, Christina P, Locks Off, Steph W, BC Girl and Samantha for buying us some coffees for the podcast. If you would like to donate to the podcast, please do so at buymeacoffee.com slash tntcpod.
1: If you choose the $5 a month monthly option, you will automatically become an honorary producer of the podcast. Kelly Donahue and Melanie E chose the member option this week, and we thank you for that.
2: If you can't donate but still want to help out the podcast, please write us a five-star review or subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform. As some of you know, our reviews were deleted on Apple Podcasts last week due to a third-party software glitch, and while most have returned, some have unfortunately not.
1: Also, tell a friend about True North True Crime and follow us on social media for updates.
2: All right, so let's move into what we are talking about this week.
1: So tonight we are going to be bringing awareness to the disappearance of ten-year-old Ariel Kouakou, who went missing in Montreal on March twelfth, two thousand and eighteen. Here are Ariel's details.
2: At the time of his disappearance, Ariel is described as four foot six inches tall and weighing ninety pounds. He has brown eyes, black hair, and is French-speaking. He was last seen wearing a black jacket, gray pants, and yellow shoes.
1: This story takes place in Montreal, Quebec, and more specifically in the Ahansic-Cartierville area in the north side of the Ile de Montréal. For those unfamiliar with Montreal, it's a pretty amazing place. Located in the province of Quebec, it is one of Canada's truly bilingual cities, with over 60% of the population who speak both French and English, which are the official languages of Canada.
2: Montreal is a city of diversity, art, food, culture, and history. The city of Montreal has a population of about 2 million people, with the greater Montreal area expanding to over 4 million.
1: Geographically, Montreal actually sits on an island. Um, it's cradled between the St. Lawrence River on the south and the Rivière-de-Prairie on the north end of the island. ahont cartierville is located in the north end of Montreal, on the banks of Rivière-de-Prairie. Although it is considered a borough of Montreal, it still has its own civic government. The population of the area is over 100,000 people, with 65% being French-language speakers, 10% being English-language speakers, and 25% speaking other languages entirely.
2: Yeah, so a hunts at Cartierville where Ariel lived is an area known for parks, outdoor dining, bars, and having a bit more of a suburb feel as it's located quite a distance from the hustle and bustle of downtown Montreal.
1: Ariel Kowaku was known to his family and friends as Le Petit Ariel, which means little Ariel, or young Ariel. In 2018, Ariel was 10 years old. He lived on Valmont Street in Ahontsakarcheville with his four-year-old sister and his mom and his dad. Ariel was a grade 4 student at École François de Laval. Like most kids in elementary school, he played soccer and had lots of friends. Ariel is described as shy, independent, and very attached to his younger sister. His mom is Acuena Nuella Bibi, and his father is Caudillo Frederick Coacu. The family had been in the Montreal area for about six years. From what we gather, his father works as a language teacher in Montreal, His father, having himself moved to Montreal from the Ivory Coast, teaches a welcome class for immigrant children at Berge de la Chine Elementary School. He is known to staff and students as Monsieur Frédéric. The Kwaku family are also active and supportive members of the close-knit Ivorian Diaspora in Montreal.
2: Ariel's parents were known in the community to be super respectful. Whenever Ariel would visit with a friend, they would call the friend's parents first. They would then drive Ariel to his friend's house and then call when they came to pick him up. From what we gather, the family is very faith-based. They go to church regularly and are strong believers in the Christian faith. Ariel was a good kid who did not give his parents any problems.
1: However, his father had recently restricted his son's use of video games. This was because he was unhappy with one of Ariel's math marks. Frederick said he doesn't believe that this had anything to do with Ariel's disappearance. And it's probably because he was a good, trustworthy kid that his parents agreed to let him go to a nearby friend's house. So let's talk about the last day that Ariel was seen.
2: On Sunday, March 11th, Ariel asked his parents if he could spend Monday at his friend's home a few blocks away as Monday was a scheduled day off from school. His mother was taking a class that day and his father was working, but they decided that it would be okay for Ariel to go to his friend's house by himself. It would be his first time doing something like this, so it was a big deal for Ariel and his parents. To be clear, Ariel had walked to his friend's house before, but just not alone. He had walked with his parents or with a friend or his friend's parents, but it seemed this was his first time doing it alone. On March 12, 2018, at around 7 a.m. before she left for a class, Ariel's mom looked in on him, and he was asleep. At 11 a.m., Ariel left his home on Valmont Street, and walked to his friend's house just a few blocks away.
1: Now, the Kwaku family had a friend staying with them at the time. This friend had recently survived a fire at her home, and the Kuwaku family were helping her out. The friend saw Ariel walk out the door. She had originally stated that he left at noon, but it was daylight savings time on March 11th in 2018, so this was just a mistake because of the clocks in the house.
2: Right, so unfortunately this time thing and the daylight savings time change will come up again later in this story. The woman who was staying with Ariel's family said that Ariel was in good spirits when he left home. She questioned him about whether he had permission to go on his own, and he told her that his mom had given him permission, which was true.
1: Ariel made his way along the snow-covered streets of his neighborhood, passing by a few businesses, residences, and a nearby park. Ariel reached his friend's home, but sadly his friend was not home. There was a sign on the apartment door informing visitors to knock as the doorbell was not working. According to an interview with the Montreal Gazette, Ariel's mother states that the neighbors told her they saw Ariel knocking on the front door. Another man who was parked in his car also claims to have seen Ariel knocking on the door. These sightings were all alleged to be around noon. At least one of these witnesses claims Ariel was carrying a soccer ball. A soccer ball that he was not carrying in any of the CCTV footage that came to light later.
2: So unfortunately, Ariel was unaware that his friend was spending the day with his mother, who works for a daycare service at their local school. So Ariel headed back towards his home. After that, it's unclear what happened to him. It seems he just vanished midday in one of Canada's largest cities. Ariel's mother
1: knew that something was amiss around 4 p.m. on Monday. She went to go collect Ariel from the friend's house and no one was home. She states, I waited for about five minutes and the friend's older sister came out and said Ariel was not there. She then drove to the school where the friend's mother worked at and spoke to the friend and his mother. The woman told her that she hadn't seen Ariel nor had any of his friends. In the early evening, Frederick Kouaku realized that Ariel was not with his friend and not home. Panicked, he made his way to Station 10 of the Service de Police de la Ville de Montréal. It is rumored that he tried to report his son missing to police but was asked to go home and call 911. I can't confirm this, but I felt it was important to put it in the story.
2: Yeah, so you used to kind of see a lot of this happening in the 80s, 90s, even the early 2000s where there was this misconception that a certain amount of time needed to pass before a parent or anybody could report a child or a family member missing that's simply not the case so if you ever have a child go missing or a loved one go missing report them missing right away and if you get any pushback know your rights and make sure to report that person missing as soon as possible so that the police can get started. So, at around 7.30 p.m., police arrived at the Kowaku residence and began searching the area for Ariel. But, of course, by now, night had fallen and the search was unsuccessful.
1: On Tuesday, March 13th, the Montreal police issued an Amber Alert for the missing Ariel.
2: This in itself was unique, as Amber Alerts have to meet a certain criteria. Here's the criteria for an Amber Alert in Canada. The child must be under the age of 18... There's a belief that the child has been abducted, a belief that the child is in grave danger. There is information that is available that may help locate the child and or the abductor. There must be a description of the child, the suspect, or the vehicle driven by the suspect. And the alert must be issued within a reasonable amount of time from the moment of the abduction.
1: Yeah, so Amber Alerts are specifically for when people saw the child be taken by the abductor or put into a car, or people know who abducted the child, uh, like a family separation or that kind of thing. But in Ariel's case, he seems to have just vanished without a trace.
2: After just 10 hours, the Montreal police rescinded the Amber Alert. This decision is still criticized to this day. The police would state, Usually we would issue an Amber Alert only in circumstances where a criminal act has been committed where, for example, we have a description of a kidnapper or a description of a getaway car. In Ariel's case, we have reason to believe that his health is compromised because it's been 24 hours, he's a 10-year-old boy in fourth grade, and it's winter. So basically here the police are saying he didn't necessarily meet the criteria for an Amber Alert. However, they issued one anyways because of his age and the fact that he's gone missing in some pretty extreme temperatures.
1: This was actually the first time the Montreal police had issued an Amber Alert without meeting the official criteria.
2: Police said that because the four criteria could not be met, the Amber Alert was lifted the next day around 11.30 p.m. They said that this does not affect the investigation and reiterated that the search for Ariel would continue. Within just 24 hours of his disappearance, the police would locate a witness. Not much is known about her, however, she told police that she had spoken with Ariel. The police also state that she is a very credible witness.
1: The witness states that she saw Ariel in the Parc de Petalier, a park nearby Ariel's house.
2: This witness would state that she thought it was odd that a child was in the park on a school day. Apparently she wasn't aware that this was a pro-D day. And she also states that Ariel seemed sad.
1: I find this statement odd and it seems to uh, it need to be taken with a grain of salt because I don't know how she could sort of depict Ariel's mood um, not knowing him. So she initially said that she walked up to him to talk to him because it was a school day uh, and she was curious as to why he was in the park. And she said she saw him at 2 p.m., but then the police were able to clarify that it was actually closer to 1125.
2: Yeah, so for the time being, that's all that the police had to work with.
1: Parc de Petalier is quite a large park. Uh, it's bordered on the south side by Guen Boulevard and by Rivière de Prairie on the north side. The park is filled with trees and walking paths, and it would have had quite a blanket of snow on it at this time. The park actually continues from Ariel's street on Valmont all the way along Guam Boulevard to his friend's street near the railway tracks.
2: There is an entrance to this park near Ariel's home and one near his friend's home. As we mentioned earlier, this park has a river that runs along the north shore of it and unfortunately at this time of year it would be really strong and dangerous due to the spring melt as well as a heavy amount of ice that had accumulated during the cold Montreal winter.
1: The Montreal police would set up a command post near the park, and they canvassed the neighborhood.
2: They had search teams working the park on foot, ATV, and by horse. Hundreds of neighbors also joined the search, handing out flyers, searching under porches, and in recycling bins. On the river, they brought in divers, boats, zodiacs, and icebreakers to search the raging river. Early river searches would be called off due to poor visibility and the dangerous currents. It has been reported that the visibility underwater was less than three feet.
1: Sadly, a heavy snowfall that week and an overly strong current in the river slowed down the search efforts, and there was no signs of Ariel.
2: Eventually, police and the Kowaku family would get a break. Police would uncover surveillance video from some local businesses as well as residences.
1: The first video is of Ariel walking on his way to his friend's house. Ariel is walking eastbound on Gwen Boulevard. He is seen on CCTV footage from the Provost Garage. This garage is about 50 meters from his friend's apartment complex. He walks at a normal pace along the sidewalk. He is wearing his winter coat with the hood pulled up. He has his hands in his pockets, and he is wearing gray pants and yellow sneakers. The timestamp on this footage from the garage is 11.15 a.m. There's then some other footage that is released that seems to be from a residence near his friend's apartment complex, but the timestamp reads 10.13 a.m., But we can assume, because of the daylight savings time, that this was actually 11.13
2: a.m.? Yeah, because Ariel would have still been at home if it was 10.13 a.m. because he didn't leave his house till 11. So it would only make sense that this timestamp was an hour behind.
1: So this footage is kind of from a strange angle, but you can clearly see Ariel walking across the camera frame. But as he gets to the end of of the range of the camera... He passes by a tree that obscures him from the vision of the camera. But before he gets to the tree, he turns around and looks behind him while sort of walking backwards, as if he's heard his name. He then turns back and continues walking, but then stops and turns around again, sort of continuing to walk backwards, then turns forward, continues walking, and exits the frame. All of this footage can be assumed to have been captured before he got to his friend's apartment complex
2: yeah so i actually hadn't watched the surveillance video until right now and it definitely looks like he's approaching a tree and then quickly turns around as if he's heard somebody call his name or he's just heard something turns around quickly and then turns back the way he was walking and turns around quickly a second time and then continues walking the way he was going it's very weird
1: It's also quite common for people in Montreal and cold places to sometimes turn like that when there's a, a heavy wind chill that's occurring. Like sometimes you just turn to just get your face out of the cold wind.
2: Yeah, that's certainly possible as well. However, obviously, in the context of the fact that this is a missing kid, it's a little bit of a red flag for me. And also, if anybody watches the footage, it looks like he's walking really fast as if he's trying to quickly get away from somebody but that could also be the fact that maybe this footage is a little bit sped up. It's hard to say, uh, but that's just something to put out there as well. Another piece of this puzzle came together through a private investigator who was hired by the Kuwaku family. The private investigator found CCTV footage from the Bordelais restaurant. The grainy footage looks at the parking lot of the apartment complex that Ariel was walking to. In this footage, a car can be seen turning into this parking lot. A few shadowy figures can be seen, and one of them is believed to be Ariel. The family suspects the other figures could be his abductors. This car then never leaves the parking lot, which is why some of his family members have theorized that Ariel may have been at the complex being held against his will. There is no timestamp in this video and the video has also not been released to the public. The Montreal police say they have an additional video of Ariel entering the Parc des Petilliers but not ever exiting the park. It should be noted that the park has multiple entrances and therefore exits so it is possible that he did leave but it wasn't in the same place that he entered. Again, this footage has also not been released and we don't know what time he entered the park.
1: Okay, so that's it. That's all the evidence and footage that um, we have or that we've heard of. But this timeline is a mess. So we are going to present for you two timelines. One is based on what was released to the press and the media. And then we will try our best to present a second, more plausible, cleaned-up timeline.
2: Okay, so the messy timeline based on the information that has been given to the public is as follows. 11 a.m., Ariel leaves his home on foot according to the guest staying at the Kawaku home. 11.13 a.m. Ariel is seen walking east on Boulevard Goen and is seen turning around twice. This timestamp seems wrong and was originally shown as 10.13. 11.15 a.m. Ariel is seen on CCTV footage at the garage walking east on Boulevard Goen. 11.25 a.m. A witness sees Ariel in the Parc des Batilliers near the river. She originally is quoted by Montreal police as saying she saw him at 2 p.m., 12 o'clock p.m. Two witnesses see Ariel knocking on his friend's door. He is seen with a soccer ball. Also, there is unreleased footage of a car with people in it near his friend's apartment complex. Police, again, also state that they have footage of Ariel walking into the park but not exiting. We are not sure at what time either of those two CCTV footage uh, take place. So this would mean that Ariel originally arrived at his friend's apartment around eleven twenty, knocks at the door, doesn't get an answer, and he goes to the park for a little while to pass the time and he goes back to this friend's apartment at noon to try and see if he's home again. So, it is possible that maybe he went to the park between 11 20 and 12 o'clock and found a soccer ball which is why he was not seen with the soccer ball in the original CCTV footage but then witnesses see him with a soccer ball. Just something to put out there.
1: So this is all plausible but it's messy and I believe it's messy for the following reasons. The first reason is that it was daylight savings time the day before and people are often disoriented the next day. Manual clocks are often not changed right away. The second reason is that witnesses often make terrible witnesses. They are often wrong with times as it's very abnormal for any of us to know the exact time anything is occurring unless we're constantly looking at our clocks or have like a body camera on us. Just try to remember where you were and who you saw at the grocery store two weeks ago. The third reason for some of this confusion is that a lot of the early information was coming out in French and being translated into English. And this is happening through multiple channels. For example, a witness tells their statement to the police officers in French. That information is given in French to the press. The press then release it in French, and then the English press release it after having translated it. Or, with regards to the information that's online, people are taking uh, French press-released items and putting it through Google Translate and then posting it on social media.
2: Okay, so we're going to try and paint a cleaner timeline. We could be wrong, but we're trying to use Occam's razor here to deduce a simpler timeline.
1: Again, in the first timeline, we have Ariel going back and forth to the apartment building twice. This is because of the neighbor statements. But what if the neighbors meant they saw him around noon? So, not exactly noon. And what if they were wrong because of daylight savings time? Well, then in this assumption, we have Ariel at the building in the 11 to 11.30 time frame. We also need to make one more huge assumption, okay? The 10.13 timestamp where Ariel is seen turning around twice is way off because that camera is actually after the garage camera. The time should at least be 11:15, because the garage timestamp is 11:15, so if it's only like a minute away, maybe it's like 11:16 or something like that. I don't know why that timestamp says 10:13. The garage owner says that his clock is perfect. So that's 11:15, then afterwards, Ariel is seen turning twice on the residence camera right after. This kind of, as messy as this sounds, it feels cleaner.
2: Yeah, so I think the most likely scenario here is that clock was already running a few minutes behind, and then on top of that, the person in charge of that CCTV camera had not changed it to the daylight savings time. Okay, so walk us through this new timeline.
1: Okay, 11 a.m., Ariel leaves his home on foot. 11.15, Ariel is seen on the garage CCTV footage walking east on Boulevard Gwen. He is then seen a few minutes later or a minute later on a residential camera turning around twice as he walks down the boulevard. Shortly after this, he is seen by witnesses knocking on the door at the apartment complex. This is around maybe eleven twenty AM. Then, a few minutes later, he is seen by a witness in the Parc de Batalier near the river. She asks him why he isn't in school. He states it's a day off and that he was supposed to meet a friend. After this, Ariel is never seen
2: again. So these are two obviously imperfect timelines, but that's what's so frustrating about this case. We wish that the Montreal police would just release a clean and helpful timeline with all of the applicable CCTV footage. So why won't they?
1: Let's find out the police theory of what they think happened to Ariel after a quick break. <laughs>
2: we are back. So, before the break, we laid out some timelines. Basically, what we know is that Ariel left his home around 11 a.m. He was seen both by eyewitnesses as well as CCTV footage between 11 a.m. and noon. And one of these witnesses places Ariel in the park at 11.25. His parents realized he was missing at around 4 o'clock p.m. and reported it to the police at around 7 p.m. So, As we are now approaching the third anniversary of Ariel's disappearance, what is the official police stance on this case?
1: On April 12, 2018, just a month after Ariel went missing, the Montreal police released their official theory on what happened to Ariel. The following was reported by the Montreal Gazette.
2: The Montreal police are convinced that Ariel died in a tragic accident on the day he disappeared by falling into the Rivière de Paris in the park where he was last seen alive. Since the search began, Montreal police spokespeople have delicately chosen their words in terms of what they think happened to Ariel. They have maintained they have followed both the possibility that he somehow fell into the river or that he was abducted. In an interview with the Montreal Gazette, Inspector Ian Lafreniere stated clearly that investigators are convinced the boy fell into the river and drowned. He said, We have a very credible witness who saw him in Batelier Park near the river at 11.25am, near the waterfront of the river. We have camera footage that places him in the park and we don't see him on any security cameras getting out of the park. Lafreniere added that the woman saw and spoke to Ariel, so they are confident that she did indeed see him in the park that morning, and it's not a case of mistaken identity. Lafreniere said investigators are still not certain precisely when Ariel left his family's home to head to his friend's house.
1: Lafreniere states that he has begun to coordinate with the Coast Guard as well as the Laval police to search the river or keep an eye out. He then says, for us, The lead being followed is that this was an accident. He states that investigators have uncovered no evidence so far to suggest that Ariel was abducted. The police say they have gathered more than 700 tips and more than 500 people have volunteered to help so far in the search. Lafrenier says that Montreal police investigators who have been overseeing the investigation took everything they knew and asked for their counterparts at the Surete du Québec, the provincial police to take a look at the case in the event that they missed
2: something. He also acknowledged that police had made an error when initially reporting the timeline of the disappearance after saying Ariel had last been seen around 2.30 p.m. on March 12th. Instead, Ariel had actually been seen by a witness in the park at about 11.25, and that was the last time that he was seen. Quote, This is really our fault. I'm talking about the communication side. So the police theory poses the question, Is it possible? Ariel drowned? The river is a pretty fast-moving and deep river. I've heard that the current can be up to five knots, and the river itself eventually meets with the St. Lawrence River and then out to the Atlantic Ocean.
1: At this time of year, it's not uncommon for the river to have a two to three foot ice pack, but that can also have some weaknesses underneath it because it is the spring.
2: There have never been any pieces of clothing found, no bright yellow shoes, no jacket, nothing. Nor has there ever been a body or any remains found. It has also never been disclosed if the police or the searchers found an area that looked like a body had gone into the river, whether that be disturbed snow or broken ice. There were also no audible cries for help coming from the river that day.
1: So the family obviously disagrees with the police theory. They strongly believe that Ariel was kidnapped and that he is still alive. It was reported that Frederick Kowaku asked if he could actually speak to the witness from the park. It's unclear if that ever happened. Based on the CCTV footage uncovered by the private investigator, the Kowaku family believe that Ariel never left the apartment complex. There have been no door-to-door searches of the apartment complex as far as we know. Another salient point is that Frederic does not believe that Ariel would ever go near the river. He feels that he had clearly explained the dangers of the river to his son. That and it just wasn't somewhere he would go. The family had not spent much time in that area of the park and they feel
2: that it's unlikely that Ariel would want to go there anyway. Frederic Kuaku said he deeply respects the police investigation, but wants officers to continue to pursue the theory that his son was kidnapped. For me, it is a kidnapping, an abduction, Kuaku stated in an interview. Frederic said he hasn't seen the footage of his son entering the park and was upset to learn about it in the newspaper. He added he hopes that if police have footage of his son that he hasn't seen, that they will show it to him. I haven't asked the police to see it, but I said I should be the first to see that video before putting it in the newspapers.
1: Still, he maintains that he does trust the police. Quote, The police have their theories. I have said this already. They are working on different paths. Everything is being taken into consideration. That is what the investigators tell me every day.
2: However, Frederic Kuaku used the one-year anniversary of his son's disappearance to air some of his frustrations about the police investigation, which he called inadequate. I claimed my son was abducted, but faced with the powerful machine of the police, what could I do?
1: The family organized a mass at a church near the park on the banks of the river. Frederic talked about the helicopters, the drones, the cadaver dogs, the nautical teams that scoured the riverbanks in search of his boy's body. Quote, and the results? There were no results. He sought to persuade Montreal officials to set up a special squad to investigate abductions. But Frederic said the mayor told him that she couldn't tell the police what to do.
2: Despite his anger and sadness, he said the family has found peace in God. In the morning we wake up with hope, at night we go to sleep with hope, we eat, we drink, and walk with hope. We know that Ariel will come home soon.
1: We do want to add here that although Montreal is a very safe city, there was an attempted abduction of a child in December of 2017, just three months before Ariel went missing. This attempted abduction occurred in the Rosemont neighborhood, in which another 10-year-old boy was luckily able to fend off his attacker.
2: Around 3.30 p.m., the boy was walking on Clark Street, his usual route home from school, when he crossed a man in his mid-50s on the sidewalk. The boy told police he was intercepted by the suspect who grabbed the boy's neck with two hands, coaxing him to follow. However, the boy managed to wriggle free from the grasp and punched the man in the face with his free hand. He then ran all the way home to tell his mother what had happened, and shortly after she contacted both police as well as the boy's school. The boy, while pretty shaken up, was not physically injured in the altercation, and the suspect in question was described as middle-aged, short, and balding, police said.
1: So there was also one strange request from the police in Ariel's disappearance. In the summer of 2018, Montreal police were looking for a possible witness who they say was in the park on March 12th. Police say the woman was sitting on the shore of the river smoking a cigarette between 11 and 11.30 a.m.
2: The police say this woman is not a suspect, but they would like to know if she saw anything that morning that could assist police in their ongoing search. This woman is encouraged to stop by a police station to speak with officers or even call 911.
1: So as far as we know, she has not been located. So let's talk about the current status of the case, a father's emotional plea, and how our listeners can help after a quick break.
2: And we are back. So, in July of 2018, Frédéric Kuaku wrote an open letter to the persons responsible for kidnapping Ariel. In the letter, titled The Power of Hope and Forgiveness, he described how they're ready to forgive the person if they come forward and would even welcome them into their lives. Here are some excerpts from the letter.
1: We do believe that Ariel is still alive. For many reasons, someone can be with Ariel. Some people can feel that they're alone. They don't have kids and they want to fill this empty place by having a kid. We are trying to look at this in a positive way. For someone to abduct a child it's because they are missing something, either affection or a child's presence in their life. God has a mission of love for the person who is with Ariel. Let's start giving love to the person and we will see that this person will surprise us beyond our expectations.
2: The letter describes the different emotions the family has been living through. Adding to the anguish is the pain of the unknown and the questions without answers. But the family is focused on remaining resilient and hoping their champion Ariel will return one day. They're now willing to move on to the next stage of the process, forgiveness.
1: Since Ariel's disappearance on March 12, 2018, the family has had to endure the pain of this dark milestone every year. According to the Missing Children's Network, on average, every day in Quebec, 16 children are reported missing to law enforcement agencies. These children disappear from home for a variety of reasons. They may have run away after a heated argument with their parents or were lured away by an online predator. Some may have been taken to another country by the non-custodial parent, perhaps to strike back at an ex-spouse, or they were simply abducted by someone the child does not know.
2: For whatever reason a child goes missing, parents' lives are turned upside down and minutes race into hours as they frantically seek their child's return home. No matter the circumstances of a disappearance, a missing child's best hope for a safe return depends on immediate, coordinated, and focused action.
1: Yeah, the quick stats on this are pretty staggering. In 2018, in Quebec alone, approximately 5,927 children were reported missing.
2: Of that number, only nine were abducted by a stranger. One was an accident, 18 wandered off. Six were confirmed human trafficking, 38 involved a parent, relative, or a custody dispute, 4,657 were runaways, and 1,198 are considered unknown or other as a mode of disappearance.
1: There is currently a $100,000 reward for information leading to Ariel being found. $15,000 $15,000 of that was donated by Canadian champion boxer Adonis Stevenson.
2: In September of 2019, Montreal mural artist Julien Palma-Luc felt he had to pay a tribute to Ariel. This was the inspiration for the giant mural that he created at the corner of Masson Street and 7th Avenue in Rosemont. We live in an era where we forget things too quickly, he said. I began to notice that we were talking less about Ariel and that it was kind of just becoming something that was part of the past.
1: A GoFundMe was created for the Kuwaku family. As you can imagine, just simply getting back to life and work is not easy when you have a missing child and no answers.
2: We will link the GoFundMe as well as the Missing Children's Network, which also accepts donations for their efforts in locating children and supporting families. We will have these links in our show notes. Anyone with information about Ariel is urged to call 911 or Infocrime at 514-393-1133. Again, Ariel stands 4 foot 7 inches and weighs about 90 pounds. When last seen, he was wearing a black hooded coat, gray pants, and yellow shoes.
1: This brings us to the end of this episode. We hope we've told Ariel's story in a way that is helpful for his family and his community uh, because we just really want them to find some answers. We also want to thank you for putting up with our poor French language skills in this episode. We honestly did the best we could. And uh, just a word about the last episode we uploaded. We realized there were some editing issues in that episode. We apologize for that. We have recently switched to using two mics, which we're excited about. And that made the editing process just
2: a little bit more difficult. And we're sort of honing
1: our skills on that right now.
2: And with that, we'd like to thank our producers for this podcast, and that is Amy's Book Reviews, Alberta Bly, Cindy McDee, Giraffe3000, Alyssa Santos, Anastasia, Ariel Elliott, Melanie E., and Kelly Donahue. If you'd like to donate to our podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash tntcpod. We will have a new episode for you in two weeks' time. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Stay safe, gang.